Catalina invented one-to-one marketing, so they know that there's a science behind every buy and a unique buyer behind the data. In episode two of this exciting three-episode podcast series, we explore buyer behavior and learn how retail brands are differentiating themselves by leveraging big data, predictive data, merchandising, personalization, and consumer marketing to deliver personalized digital media at a mass scale. These are stories about data science, personalization, and the future of marketing. Only the names, voices, and companies have been changed to protect the innocent. 7.30 a.m. Catalina Buyer Science Investigators, Christy Hollings and Bart Jones, Headquarters. What's with the phone, Jones? You've been staring at it for the last hour, like you're trying to decode the Dead Sea Scrolls. I have too many apps. It's always fun when the solutions to our problems become their own problems. I think I need an app that organizes my apps. They should call it Meta App. An app for all your apps. Available in the App Store. Man, that is awful. Amazingly enough, this inane little passion play between you and your phone has actually got me percolating. As marketers, our job is to help consumers make new choices. As a brand, with all the noise, how do you stand out? I heard someone say there are 285 cookie varieties in the cookie aisle. Cookies are a great example. People want to eat healthier, but purchase data shows people are still buying indulgences. That explains thin cookies. Same taste and flavor, but fewer calories because the cookies are small. Exactly. I wouldn't be surprised if every brand was introducing or at least contemplating a thin lineup. If you're a brand, how do you help the consumer pick your thin cookie? Were you telling me recently that category growth for most brands is negative or in the single digits? Indeed I was. We'll make a buyer scientist out of you yet. Let's talk with Dan. 8.42 a.m. Dan Cropsey, VP of Data Strategy and Solutions. Chicago. So many cookies, so little time. We were just lamenting how many different types of cookies are available. How do you differentiate the signal from the noise? That's why we wanted to talk to you. It's a, it's a challenge for sure. Um, there, there are really so many options that brands uh, are trying to capitalize on relative to consumers' kind of increasingly nuanced desires. Take an average retail shelf, for example. I mean, they're challenged to satisfy the distinct needs of all the shoppers they serve. You know, they need a healthy option, a premium option, a value option, a large pack, small pack, gluten-free, vegan, so forth. It, it's really hard for them to kind of distill down all the options for their particular shopper base. But once the brand does get that retail distribution that, that they need... Their next challenge is how to effectively motivate the specific consumers to try or buy more of the product that was really intended specifically for them. When you're trying to understand buying behavior, you have to look at them from many angles, the, the kind of what they're buying and, and why. First, of course, have to kind of capture very specifically what shoppers are buying, kind of who's buying what brand, who's buying the competitor, are they loyal? And really, it's our direct access to those shoppers and those behaviors that, that makes Catalina really, really unique. Second, really the harder challenge is is for us to discern why the shoppers are buying what they're buying. Now, marketers have traditionally used surveys, and of course, it's just a survey sample. Rather than surveys, we use kind of the unique traits of the products you buy over time in the surrounding context of, of when you buy to try to get at kind of what really is motivating what you're buying. You know, we'll look at data over time and, and find those shoppers who consistently pick the low sugar option or the environmentally friendly option or look for the highest value. And it's really those kind of personalities, what we call them, that helps us market. And, and the cool thing is that these personalities tend to be foundational and they span categories. And now we have an ability to understand why you're buying holistically and help yourself sell in a particular brand in a category that has those same traits. 
That's amazing. You can profile people down to the ingredient level or to the environmentally conscious option. That doesn't get your search too narrow? Um, yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, we can do that, that we can get down to those ingredients. But is this reach kind of too small to be effective? I would say not really. If a product earned shelf space with the retailer because of this unique trade or these unique ingredients, what have you, you need to reach those very, very shoppers and emphasize uniquely the traits that those shoppers were looking for that got you that shelf place in the first time. Does timing matter here? Because I only seem to remember things when they're of no use to me. Like I'll be in the car and suddenly remember that flossing is important. It seems like a risk if you're not hitting them at the right time. Yeah, timing does matter. And and finding those opportune moments comes really in multiple forms. The big one for us is is product purchase cycle. And our ability to see shopper purchases over time gives us a unique ability to find that perfect time to remind or incent a particular shopper purchase. I would say the, the most exciting, tiny matters, if you will, efforts that we have going on right now is that we call campaign timing. Finding the timing within a given campaign and really orchestrating kind of the sequencing, the personalization of really the various components of a single campaign and doing it while the campaign is active. You know, too often brands and their agencies will, will measure results as they should with the intent to get better next time. Um, we instead are, are really looking to help brands get better really this time using our real-time data and get better with this exact campaign in this exact context because there's never going to be a better time in understanding of campaign than when it's happening live. Thanks, Dan. I think we're well on the road to getting what we need, but we got to get smaller. All right, Jones, here's what we should do. You should get those little flosses. <laughs> what? For your car. They come in a big bag of like 300. Just keep some in your glove compartment, and when you're at a stoplight, you suddenly remember flossing is important. Bam! Flosser's right there. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Now, where was I? Narrow is good. Smaller. Uh, Right, right. Let's see what Marta's up to and if she's got some time for us. 10.58 a.m. Marta Cyan, Chief Marketing Officer, St. Petersburg. We're trying to understand how brands can stand out in an increasingly crowded marketplace. What insights can you provide us? Well, one of the things we're seeing most today, new brands are really being born of more specific product benefits because they're really formed to answer a void or a new need that's happening in the marketplace. That's true. The days of going to Sears for everything you need under the sun are long gone. I read an article recently that said Sears used to be what Amazon.com is now. But now the product categories seem to stretch on to infinity. It's got to be a tough time for legacy brands. You're right about that. Smaller, more targeted brands are the new normal. Big brands are acquiring those small brands to complement their portfolios and in a way to stay relevant to their shoppers. When you think about CPG growth, it's really coming for small emerging brands that cater to new consumer preferences. And those preferences are really focused on health and wellness, dietary and lifestyle needs. Consumers are now demanding greater transparency and authenticity and reward brands that focus on that. If a brand stands as a proxy for trust and quality, we've still got to get them to try the thing, right? How do we do that, Marta? Can we throw 100% of the budget at generating trial? Well, that's a big whopping no. You'll get killed when it comes to retention. And how do you know you've really reached the right shoppers? If you want consumers to try something, you often have to incentivize their discovery, their buying, and their repeat purchases. Did you know that you really need a consumer to purchase a product twice in a 12-month period? So to help expedite the journey along the buyer life cycle, we need to get them to the point of where you want them. Based on everything Hollings has told me, that seems like a traditional way of thinking. Can you expand on it? I mean, incentivize how? With trials? Great question. A lot of times people drive a single campaign and think that's enough. It's really important to reach the right buyers. 
And just saying, I'm going to reach these buyers for a four-week window isn't enough. Or sometimes people say, let's just target a category. That's not enough. What you need to do is really think through a holistic trial and retention plan. You need to really think about the shoppers and and target those audiences very specifically. That all sounds great, Marta. But how do we actually do this? We have a program called New Item Accelerator. And what that helps you do is as soon as your UPC crosses the grocery checkout line, we start tracking performance. So you can actually see what is actually happening. And what that enables you to do is to optimize your media. Consumers see 10,000 marketing messages a day, so you need to break through. And a lot of times we believe in an always-on strategy so that um, you're reaching shoppers where they are and providing them the values when they want them, allowing them to discover your product. Okay, Marta, I think we've got what we need. Thanks for the help. 2.24 p.m. Headquarters. I remember reading once about the death of monoculture, that in the past our shared experience bonded us. Maybe all the segmentation is making it harder for us to connect. I mean, once upon a time there were three TV networks. Now how many are there? Who can count that high? If you told me 20 years ago that in my lifetime you could have paid subscriptions to networks that show only baseball, only car racing, or only professional wrestling, I would have thought you were crazy. Yep, here we are. But now I'm thinking segmentation and narrow casting are simply shortcuts to help us find greater satisfaction. If we're not using these amazing tools to help accomplish that, then what's the point? It's true. Companies don't want to bang their heads against the wall targeting people who couldn't care less about them any more than consumers want a bunch of irrelevant offers cluttering an already very noisy life. If we can match them up more effectively, everyone wins. This whole going small thing has got me thinking. We know that narrow casting your brand's messaging is the way to do things in a sea of competition because your ROI is going to be greater if you do so. I think we know how to position the brands we're working with now. But that brings me to another question. Do you think there's one ideal customer out there? Like if you tried to distill the perfect customer into a person, what would they look like? Thousands of new brands hit retail shelves during 2017, with 49% of the top-ranking brands hailing from small manufacturers. To put it another way, the perfect customer needs the perfect product to match. It's like high-stakes matchmaking. Dating. Can we do that? Get ready to play matchmaker. This has been a production of Catalina. Despite the challenges of new competitors, product options, and buying choices, smart brands can still win with the power of Catalina's buyer science. Contact your Catalina representative or visit Catalina.com for more information.